Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny Yee. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s. We grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. And now, and now, it's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal, because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees, and Aaron Savage. Oh yeah! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We are your hosts. This is Aaron Savage. With me, as always, my partner in crime, Mr. Jason Voorhees. Yeah, man. What's going on, Jay? Uh, before we introduce our very special guest, I wanted to first just congratulate White Sox lefty Carlos Rodon for his uh, no-hitter. Just missed the 24th perfect game in Major League Baseball history by a this much. I hit a batter with one out in the ninth. So a hits batsman aside, perfect game. Congrats to him. And also I wanted to wish the best, the best to seven-time NBA All-Star, current Nets player, LaMarcus Aldridge, who had to abruptly retire uh, due to discovering he had an irregular heartbeat. So that's a shocking news that he had to retire like that. So best of luck to him. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, without further ado, I want to welcome our very, very special guest to the show. We are super pumped to have him especially me being in New Jersey. He's the front man of a legendary New Jersey band, T.T. Quick. And he's currently the front man of a legendary German heavy metal band, except please welcome to the show, Mr. Mark Tornillo. Hey. What's going on, Mark? How are you? Good. How you doing, guys? What's up? I'm hanging in there. Awesome. We're glad to have you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Upset that there's no baseball today, but you know. Rainy day in New Jersey, New York. Yep. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. How are you so, guys doing? Ah, uh, I'm doing good. How about you, Jay? Doing all right. I see you got your next gear on there. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, Jay's a Phillies fan, Mark. Oh. Yeah, well, so's my uh, son-in-law. <laughs> oh, okay. I was so you're used to it then. Phillies Eagles, <laughs> we know. Yep. So anyway, before we get into the metal, I I'm gonna take a little left turn since you came in all decked out dude how'd you become a Mets fan you growing up in New Jersey just since you were young been a Mets fan since 62 awesome, awesome. I mean I'm giving away my age here but <laughs> but my grandfather my mother's parents lived next door and uh, my grandfather was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan they moved okay. to LA or you know they moved to the west coast and it was uh as soon as the Mets fired up, my brother was a y hardcore Yankees fan. My uh, grandfather wasn't having it. So once the Mets started started up at the Polo Grounds, that was it. That's what we were watching. Awesome. Awesome. I'm a little younger. I became a Mets fan like 84, 85, Doc Straw. Yeah. When MTV actually played music and the Mets were on MTV. <laughs> Yay, right? Yeah. Holy mackerel. 
Yeah, MTV played music. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but anyway, man. So yeah, uh, welcome to the show again. We're glad to have you. Hey, glad I to mean, be here. I guess the best place to start. I have to ask. You know, being a Jersey guy, I, when I grew up, I was always going to Route 18 Flea Market. Oh yeah. And obviously, I, that meant I was at Rock and Roll Heaven, Johnny Z's store. Mm -hmm. So I know TT Quick. Um, you guys are New Jersey legends, and you were signed to Megaforce. Why don't, why don't you tell us a little about a little bit about the background of that? How you ended up hooking up with Johnny Z and getting signed to Megaforce, like the, that original group of bands with Anthrax, you know, Overkill, TT Quick. Why don't you tell us a little about that? Well, that's basically where it all happened was at that flea market. You know, um, we had been, uh, you know, cover band obviously for for the longest time, but we were working on originals and you know writing originals, playing them out live, and doing the ACDC thing and all that stuff. Uh, David DePietro, who was not yet part of the band, had contacted me about doing an original project. And uh, I guess he had seen us play up in Connecticut at the uh, Aragon, Aragon Ballroom up there, or the Agora, rather. And um, long story short, him and I were working on a side project and writing and doing things and recording a demo and working on, you know, obviously trying to put a band together to get signed. So long story short, we T.T. Quick needed a guitar player. So he came down and joined the band. And it was still a five-piece band at that point. And eventually, uh, we, we went to be in a four-piece band. Right around this time, Glenn Evans, who was the drummer at that time from Nuclear Assault, you know, and, you know, lots of other bands before us, uh, Glenn was the one who was going to Rock and Roll Heaven every week. Okay. We were all in and out of the flea market, but he's the one that was there every week buying, you know, uh, imports and whatever and hit it off with Johnny Z. Johnny Z found out that he was in the band and he says, well, why don't you bring me a demo tape? So he comes back to us and he goes, well, we need a demo tape. <laughs> Dave and I went, well, we got a demo tape. He said, what do you mean? You got a demo tape. Take this to him. And it had Child of Sin on it. It had uh, Victims on it. I think it even had a cover of uh, Fortunate Son on it. So it was almost the EP already. Cool. And Johnny Z like lost his mind and wanted to sign the band. So that was it. Awesome. Awesome. You mentioned ACDC. Um, I know you guys did some accept covers back in those days too. We did. <laughs> so but, it's, but at one point we were doing, uh, we it was called the high voltage hour. We did an entire set of ACDC. Was that, this is what all, you know, crystal ship and all these bands were starting up with the tributes. Yeah, I didn't want to do just a tribute band because we wanted to play our originals and we wanted to play other stuff. But put people in the seats, why not? And we were playing at the Fountain Casino on Monday nights, and we started doing that. And you know, the high voltage hour, we called it. And then, awesome. and then uh, that was right around right around the time. I'm going to say six months before Bon Scott passed away. Wow! And when he died, then it really started getting crazy. And then, then I almost died. Seriously, I was, uh, he died in February. In April that year, I was in intensive care for 10 days with a collapsed lung and pneumonia. And very, very, almost didn't get out of that. But uh, wow. 
straighten it out. And then I come back to find out that Brian Johnson's in the band. Now I got to start singing this. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, you're kidding me. <laughs> so it's like, pull your act together now. So is that is that where your vocal style really came from, the Brian Johnson influence when he joined ACDC? Well, I, I had always sang kind of, you know, kind of raspy and, you know, high and, you know, really more of, of a Robert Plant type thing I think I was doing back in those days, you know? Yeah. Uh, but as as time went on, yeah, definitely. But I was always into like Slade and, and Nazareth. And those kind of bands, you know, European bands that also had singers that sounded like that, you know, just always wanted and tried to emulate those guys. And yeah. it really just turned into a, you know, something that works for me. I'm a huge Nazareth yeah. fan. I know, Jay, you've even mentioned, and when you listen to TT Quick, you even hear some Priest in there. Here's Priest, uh, you know, style in that, in that album, uh, especially, uh, uh, the first couple songs, like it actually reminded me of like, kind of like, uh, metal gods, uh, that kind of vibe. Yeah. Type. And, uh, like the point of entry type album too. Um, that kind of style. All right. Well, they were a big influence on us as well. A whole British invasion at yeah, that, the metal, you know, British wave of metal was, was incredible between them and Maiden. You know, it was like, wow. You can do so many things, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I'm too young to have seen you guys back in Lemoore's in '87. Oh, god, I did have the pleasure of seeing the reunited TT Quick, I think it was 2012 in Freehold, New Jersey, my hometown, oh, at the yeah. Hurricane Sandy benefit. Uh huh, I play. Yep, <laughs> so yeah, that, that was, was a great, great show. show. Yeah, it was awesome. Great time, man. That was a lot and of fun. Which brings me to Twisted Sister, they were on the bill. Played yeah, a, an abbreviated set, but kicked major ass. I had seen D. Snyder so many times solo in the nineties, mm -hmm. you know, with a sick motherfuckers tour. Yeah, and it was awesome. But to see the reunited Twisted Sister in the makeup for that was killer. And I guess that leads me to a, a, something I didn't even realize until recently, just getting ready for this show. I didn't realize that um, AJ Perro was in uh, TT Quick for a minute. He was for a while after uh, after Medal of Honor. Um, Eric had a lot of problems with family and his father was really, really sick, dying of cancer. And he just said, look, I'm going home. I have to, yeah. I'm going to take a leave of absence. And we were, you know, we were just riding off of the medal of honor album. We wanted to put out another record and, uh, AJ and I were friends and I called him up. I said, I had heard that they had had a falling out after come out and play. And, uh, Called him up, asked if he was interested. He's like, "Damn, Skippy, I'm interested." <laughs> so uh, he was what, a great, great, great drummer, man, and what a nice guy and a great guy to play with, man. So yeah, he was actually with us when we wrote most of the songs for Sloppy Seconds. Yeah, he was. He was a great drummer. Rest in peace. Um, it's funny. I, actually I, I saw him, you know, just before he passed a few times on the road with except like at festivals in Europe and just uh, what a great guy. You know, I'm glad I got to catch up with him. Yeah. Yeah. Jay and I actually were lucky enough to be at on that metal show right after he passed. And uh, I think JJ French came on the show and maybe Eddie Ojeda was on there. 
mm-hmm. right after he passed away. So tragic loss. But I imagine that you guys really knew, you know, knew each other well back in those early club days. I mean, Twisted Sister, I mean, they paid their dues for a decade. Dude, we played with them so many times. Emmett's in out in the out in the woods in Jamesburg, three stages. And I could tell you stories that make your head spin. But (laughs) but uh, we we played with Twisted so often back then. It was it was you know crazy. Yeah, I'd love to hear those stories, man. It's like my neck of the woods. Like I I used to go to the Birch Hill. Um, (laughs) You remember the Birch? I mean, oh hell yeah. Yeah, that was great. I, 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 st- I must have been there two, three times a week, I felt like, when I was 21. <laughs> this, was not, this was not far from there. I think the Emmons was probably about two miles away from the Birchill. Yeah, yeah. But further out in the woods. Cool, cool. So I know Jay and I both have a question we want to ask. How did you get the Accept gig? I, I heard, I had read that you guys were at a party together, you and Wolf Hoffman and Pete were at a party together in Pennsylvania, and you were just jamming. And somehow that led to you getting the gig. What 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 happened with that? Okay, let me try and make this as short as possible. Um, what really happened was that the wrestler had come out, right? The movie, the wrestler. Yep. And great movie, he, by the way. The featured Ricky song Rourke. in that movie was "Balls to the Wall." Oh yeah, yes, you're right. I forgot song about that. Came back. Yes, they actually yes. played it twice in this in the movie. Mm-hmm. So there was there was a lot of noise about except all of a sudden again, and they hadn't been together in fourteen years. They played they had played uh, a a reunion tour in two thousand five festivals, and it got cut short because they started fighting. And then the uh, the wrestler came out, and they were, said said, "Look, if we're ever going to put the band together, this would probably be the time to do it." And that was two thousand eight. And uh, they had a, another powwow with Udo, and he didn't want to do it. And he was making you know, ridiculous demands if he was going to do it. And they were like, this is not going to happen. So Peter, turns out, lived in uh, Newtown, PA, which is 45 minutes from me. I'm in Hunterdon County. Okay. Um, his son had a band, and his son's band was recording an album. That is Surefire Music in, in uh, Long Branch. Okay. Joey DeMeo's studio. Wolf had come up because he was all mad about the band not getting back together. And Gabby was, he was driving Gabby nuts. She said, why don't you get the hell out of here? Go see Peter or something. So he did. Came up to see Peter. They were at the studio. They were talking about this whole thing. And Joey overheard them, DeMeo. And he goes, why don't you call Mark? And they're like, who? Who Mark? Why would we call Mark? Who is Mark? The singer from TT Quick. And I don't know if they, they, recognized the name from Michael Wagner or because we, Michael Wagner had worked on Medal of Honor with us. He had done a couple of their records. He was actually in Accept, the first, the very first incarnation. He was one of the guitar players. Uh, Long story short, they decided they would give me a call because he talked them into saying I could do the job. And I got a phone call from a friend of mine who asked me if it was okay. They gave Peter Baltus my phone number. And I was like, what does he want? I have no idea. So a couple of days later, I got a call from Peter Baltus. He said, would you like to come down and jam with me and Wolf at the studio? And I'm like, okay. What's it about? Just, just a jam. We just want to hang out. We need somebody who can sing. You heard, heard that you, you're the guy. I'm like, okay. So I went down there. And the two of them played. My friend Carlo played drums. And uh, 
and we jammed like all afternoon. We played some old except stuff. We played some ACDC. We actually wrote it. We actually wrote Life's a Bitch that day, wow. that very first day, and sat on it for how many years? Uh, and uh, we had a, we had a great time. And I just figured that was it, you know, and get my balls album signed. What the hell, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, didn't think really think much of it after that. And about two weeks later, Peter called me again. He says, well, what would you think about doing a, an album and a tour? And I always, I, I always say this. I, I, had, I went and said to my wife, what do I think about doing an album and a tour? And she, <laughs> and she, very wise woman, said, well, if you don't do it, there'll be no living with you. So I think you should go do it. That's great. And that was it. We, That's we amazing. Started, we started writing Blow the Nations right after that. Well, that, then we got Andy Sneap on board because we were writing, and Andy Sneap came in and said, listen to what we were doing. And he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so he made everyone sit down and listen to the old 80s Accept albums from Breaker on, from Breaker through Russian Roulette. Yep, yep. And we want this. We don't want this. We want this. We don't want this. We want this. Don't want this. Next thing you know, we wrote Teutonic Terror. So he put us on the right path. That's probably my favorite Accept song. <laughs> I don't know if that's blasphemous to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it's not. <laughs> I know it's not for you. To some, in certain I, circles, I, I would imagine it is. But I think that Blood of the Nations is the best Accept album. Well, I I certainly appreciate that. <laughs> I'll second that. Uh, I I I'm blown away by all five of the new records. Uh, you know, on, under your watch, I, I I just every album has you know, it, it's just amazing. You know what you brought to the band. I mean, your lyrics are are absolutely like poignant. Like when I listen to some of the songs that you've written, like just you know, I mean, I can name, you know, I'm not going to sit here and name every song, but it's just all, it's just a lot of thought. It's definitely thought provoking and it definitely gets the listener to uh, appreciate, you know, that part of the band. And well, they always had that kind of, aside from the broken English on some of the older albums, they were always, you know, very you know, politically charged and, and thought-provoking songs, I thought. Balls. Yeah. Balls was is is a very political song, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I go back and listen to some of the stuff I've written, too. And, you know, we play stuff that, you know, I haven't heard in, in a couple of years, and I'll go, what the hell was I thinking? Where did that <laughs> come from? You know? It's a, it's a gift from God, some of it, I think, you know? It's like, geez. Well, that, that's how music and art is. I mean, you just get in that moment at that particular time, you know, and there's something exactly. you in and you're like, what, what was I thinking at that time? And it's like, yeah. it that's how masterpieces are created. It, it does take you back, but uh, it also takes you by surprise. So. Yeah. I, I think Blood of the Nations is a masterpiece heavy metal album. I mean, well, honestly. I greatly I mean, appreciate top, that. Top to bottom. I mean, there's not one bad track. It, there's, it, it's, it's just... Every, you know, when I when I put that album on, I track it to ten and I just drive. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> Especially the way Teutonic Terror and and the Abyss go right into each other. I mean, that's yep. like, to me, that's the highlight of the record. <laughs> but, I always like the Abyss, man. That was that was the first song we released. 
you know, as with me and the band. And it was like, you know, before that, it was a rough ride before that came out because people were not having it. Yeah. <laughs> the internet was not happy with me. Oh my gosh. Now, do you think that's do you do you think that's just because you were replacing a legend or yep. they weren't giving well, it a exactly. chance? I was trying yeah. to replace a legend, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no replacing them. It's just of course you, know, you just move on. And you move on exactly. Give it a shot. Give it a chance, and and appreciate it for what it is. You I've know? always emulated this the replacement person in the band to and the fans to like kids who don't want their parents to get divorced. <laughs> You're gonna that's get true. two families. You're gonna get yeah, more yeah. Christmas presents. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. Yes, I get yeah. it, but you know, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I agree with Jay. I think all five of the records you've done with Acceptor here to take what Jay said a step further. Not to take anything away from the classic lineup, but since you've joined the band, I definitely think there's just been much more of an attention to detail of making the production insane. Well, I mean, the albums have a great sonic sound, that's and I just think it's sure. like it's the best of everything except was, and it's every album is just that. that that's <laughs> you know? neat, and it's also Wolf is just such a uh, he's a riff master, particular. You know, I I don't want to say micromanaging, but you know, it, it's he's very particular about what he wants to hear. So he, he's definitely under the radar as, a, as far as a guitar player, because some of those oh, yeah, solos, totally underrated. My God, some of the solos that, that, that are all, you know, not uh, even the old stuff, but I'm just saying on, on these previous five albums, like to me, like, like I said, blood of the nations is definitely the masterpiece. My personal favorite um, is blind rage. And that's the reason for that is that people say that. I don't know, you know, that's definitely not my favorite, but I like the album. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not saying that it's necessarily the best, but it's my favorite. And I guess because part of the reason for that is it was the first except album that I actually owned. So, okay. uh, you know, I, I'm kind of, I, I kind of got to the party a little late and <laughs> yep. uh, I kind of wish I would have, you know, started sooner, but I definitely, I mean, Except okay, we just restocked the bar. So. I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, it, like, a lot of the stuff on Blind Rage is just, you know, like I said, it's a lot of it is the lyrics too. And, and, yeah. and just songwriting, the songwriting in general. Like my favorite song on that album is The Curse. It, some yeah. of the, you know, now see, that's Gabby. Gabby had a lot to do with writing the lyrics of that song. Who? Gabby. With Wolf, all, most of the old songs on the old albums where the lyricist was name was Deffy, which is their manager, our manager, Gabby Hoffman. Okay. Wolf's wife. Wolf's wife. Yeah. She's, she used to write, I mean, you know, she wrote balls. She wrote all the, 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 the stuff that doesn't sound like broken English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know Jay um, and I are both a huge fan of the undertaker on the new record too. Yeah. Well that, that's another, that's another story. I would, give you but the curse was one of the songs that she came up with the the uh original you know idea for the lyric and wrote a lot of the the chorus parts and stuff and then i took over and you know put it into better english let's put it that way <laughs> got it deep and i like the way that you guys like kind of ask a question in, in, in the song yeah. it's well, it's, it's, it's to be thought-provoking. Exactly. Again, you know? Yeah. I, like, I like to believe that the audience is not stupid, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, that's there's great. a lot of people. They they they're they're hoping that the audience is stupid. I'm not. <laughs> I'm hoping they're you know I can throw a, a curveball and they might be able to hit it. Yeah, sure. Speaking now I, I have to ask: Have you ever met Udo? Yes. Okay. Yes. Actually, I'll tell you a story. Back when they played at Lemoore, and uh, I guess it was '83. It was the Balls tour. They were opening for Kiss at Radio City. They were touring with Kiss. Okay. And we opened for them at Lemoore. And at the end of the night, I went downstairs to the other dressing room. The rest of them had already, are already on the bus. Udo was sitting there on the couch. And we had a very short conversation. And all of a sudden, Gabby comes walking downstairs. This little German woman, the man, she walks in the room, looks at me, she goes, Udo! The bus, Schnell. <laughs> and he looks at me. He goes, "I must go." <laughs> that's great. That's terrible. <laughs> well, and, and I've met him since I've been in the band. I mean, we've you know uh, had cordial words. That's about it. Okay. Well, cor cordial's nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, very, very, just okay. Goodbye. So. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and and. You know, now that the band's half American, they still have that German sound. <laughs> yeah, well, some things aren't going to change. <laughs> it's never going to be a blues band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I'll say this. I mean, you're the perfect replacement for Udo. Like, if you listen to, like, you guys doing Fast as a Shark live, outside of, like, it, the production being better on an album now because of modern production techniques, it sounds like Udo on there. Yeah. I mean, you're the perfect replacement. Well, I hope I'm, I'm hoping I sound a little bit different, oh. but <laughs> you, yeah, you do. But you know what I mean. But you know what? Uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to sing like him. I'm not trying to sound like him. But I want the those old songs. I want the fans to be happy. Yeah. No, I don't want them. I don't want them going home going. Well, it would have been way better if Udo was singing it. No, exactly. I'm not, I'm not letting that happen. That's my point. It's not that so. you even need to emulate it. You just have the perfect vocal style. You're the perfect fit that could have replaced Udo. Even if you listen to the TT Quick stuff, you know, man, it, man, it. <laughs> Udo could sing your stuff. <laughs> you hey, know what I mean? Like TT Quick could get Udo to fill in for you. <laughs> it, it would work just as well. So anyway, man, listen, Mark, um, it's been great, man. Did you have anything you wanted to ask Mark, Jay? Yeah, about those Mets. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think the Mets are going to – I think the Mets are going all the way, dude. dude I really I was do, so, Mark. so happy the last couple of days when they picked the – they won that doubleheader the other day. And then yesterday, Peterson had a great outing. Uh, Luke looked, looked great. Diaz actually was the closer. Oh, he oh looked unbelievable. And McCann I, I, hit his first home run. Yeah, I, Peterson looked amazing, man. He was I, great. I mean, he Except could be a one, real you know, fine Hanger, but other than that, man, he pitched his ass off. Unbelievable, man. I know Jay's Wheeler, Wheeler was throwing, you know, freaking uh, three, four, five miles an hour faster. Didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think this team, the talent is there. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not saying it as a Mets fan, as a homer. I really think that this team's built to win. I, I, think, I think the talent is definitely there. They have to become a unit now. Yeah, you know, and work on work on the things that are, you know, I mean, you you started to see it yesterday with the with the hits. First three guys, bam, 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 just pounding them out. You know, every time through the lineup, 
Yep. And, and we haven't even really gotten McNeil hot yet. Alonzo's nope. not hitting. And Conforto's nope. ice cold. I mean, this lineup's going to be scary. Yeah. And when do we get our pitching back? When's Carrasco supposed to come in now? Yeah. And if, and if Syndergaard is, is on, you know, on schedule, hopefully in June, he'll be back. So, yeah. 34. Where's <laughs> There it is. Boom. Nice. Yeah, I, got, I got my seven line on. <laughs> I know you're a seven line guy. Yeah. Have you ever um, gone to a game with the group? We've sat with them. Actually, rode, though. I think the last one we went to, we rode on the seven line. Took oh, down train. to D.C.? Took the, the train. Oh, no. spring training? No. Uh, it was not last year, but 2019. We we took the train from Jersey into Manhattan and then over to Long Island and rode the seven line. Oh, oh, the actual – I misunderstood yeah. you. Rode the seven train. <laughs> Got you. Cool. Cool. I was just down in Florida. And I wanted to go to spring training so badly. We couldn't get tickets. It was yeah. a 20%, 20 percent. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. And, and those that's like you know, trying to get real tickets too. There's guys that go every year and they're sold out. Yeah. You weren't getting in. I was actually thinking about calling Mike and going, dude, can you help me out? But, <laughs> and it turned out he was there when we were there too. But I wound up going over to the West Coast to, to my cousins. But um, it was a nice time anyway. It's nice to get the hell out of here away from all the restrictions. So I used to go to spring training for like two weeks every year before my uh, oldest was in school. And then, then I couldn't do it anymore, but it was awesome, man. I used to love it. it we used to do, I used to do the practices in the morning. You meet all the yeah. players. Yeah. And you really you get to hang training. with them a little bit, you know, they're all ah. willing, willing to talk to you when it's not, not getting bombarded. Exactly. It was a great experience. Uh, speaking of Mike, are you friendly with Piazza? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I am actually, we, I actually played at Mike's 30th birthday party and awesome. down in the village. Eddie Trunk threw him a party for his 30th, 30th birthday. He was still on the Mets. Yeah. And, uh, and Edgar Casey band played, which was the guys from profit. And David and I sat in with him and it turned out Kenny's girlfriend got sick. He had to take her to the hospital. And so David wound up playing the whole night and I wound up knowing more songs that he knew, so I wound up singing most of the night. I got pictures of Mike and I singing on stage together. That's hysterical. Awesome. And then when I joined Accept, he was really happy about it. And Eddie gave him my, he called me up and he was congratulating me. And then I'm like, when Stalingrad came out, I'm sitting here one day, phone rings. My wife's like, phone's ringing. I'm like, who is it? Oh, it's Mike Piazza. It's Mike Piazza. What the hell? It's like holy shit. So, Some somebody uh, just commented, Jason, you're surrounded by Mets fans. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Jason. Poor Jason. <laughs> oh well. I'll tell you this, Mark. If you put if you put a word in for Mike to come on our show, oh, it'd mean the world to me. <laughs> I'm sure it would. <laughs> I, I, I'll do what I can. Uh, little, little, little birdie on, tells him. Hey, you should get Eddie Trunk on, man. He's a great Mets fan. Yeah, no, nah, Eddie's the man. I, I, I love Eddie Trunk. I told you we were at that metal show. I, I've met Ed. I've met Eddie. I also met him uh last time I met Eddie, I don't remember, it might have been before that actually, it was at, at the Anthrax show at Starland Ballroom. Uh -huh. uh, the worship music tour. Great great comeback album, by the way. If I'm yeah, thinking sorry. of like a, a comeback record that reminds me of like Blood of the Nations, it would be Anthrax worship music. <laughs> and they got Joey back in the band. Those two records to me, they have that same meaning to me as far as like what was I expecting and how they blew my mind, you know? 
getting back into the music a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, man. I'm all I'm all about it. Yeah, yep. notion. I, I, I'm all, I, like I said, Blood of the Nations to me is 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 just top notch. And uh, speaking of the Undertaker, we had a, co- a comment here from the uh, comments about Undertaker being a great song. Why don't I heard a, a recent interview with Don Jameson that you did, and you talked a little about the backstory to those uh, lyrics. Uh, something happened with like a text uh, a text conversation. We were we were touring. I guess it was 2000. Maybe it might have been, probably 2019 was a summer tour. We were doing the festivals, and I was texting with Gabby, and somewhere towards the end of the text, we were talking about something and somebody, I guess, passing away, and she said, "Well, you know, the Undertaker's a busy man," and I and I just texted her back. Yep, sifts us all like grains of sand. And then she sent another line, and I went, "Oh, it's on now." So, <laughs> so I wrote like I wrote I wrote it as a poem, and I wrote three stan- like three long stanzas, and sat on it for forever. And when we started doing the uh, the uh, preliminaries for "To Mean to Die," Wolf was looking for ideas, and I was going through my things, and I looked at that, and I was like, "Well." I'll shoot it out there, see what he thinks. And he read it and he was like, oh my God, I love this. And he changed, you know, took certain things out to make them more poignant as, you know, pre-choruses and choruses, but it's basically almost identical to what I wrote. Um, And that's how it became a song. I had no intentions of it being a song. That's actually a great lyric. Sifts us all like grains of sand. Yep. Great lyric. Like the Undertaker is a busy man, for he and death go hand in hand. He works all day and digs all night. He loves the dead; they are his life. No mortal can escape his plan. He sifts us all as grains of sand. Like just, it's a. In the end, you understand. (laughs) Yeah, there's a busy man. It's just, and the way that that song comes together, and like I said, it it's not the typical balls to the wall, no pun intended, sound. It's a different sound for except, but it's yeah. it, it's definitely like, you know, like I said, it has the elite lyrics. But I love like to me what, what does it for me the whole song is is the classical guitar, like yeah. that's you know the intro coming in and it just has that deep dark sound in it. Like if you didn't see the video, you you could see yourself like at a cemetery. That that's just how that song makes me feel. Like, yeah, and that's <laughs> to me. Part of a good song is the way that you that the song makes you feel when you hear it, and that's and like I said, I've played that song probably twenty times in the last three days since I've been prepping for this show, and it doesn't get old. Like I just keep listening to it, and to me, that's this that's this you know well, that's what a good song is all about. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I mean, um, and you know, we we had written that long before COVID. You know, or before COVID became a huge thing and people were, you know, obviously (laughs) dropping and we thought twice about releasing it as the single. And then we said, no. And and then Nuclear Blast said, no. They're like, no, we're going to put it out. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, uh, 
The other track, uh, you know, why don't you talk about the zombie apocalypse? Because that's another awesome. Yeah, that's the opener. Well, that's another song that I had written. I had just written the lyrics. And I, I actually was writing that for a different project. And I really didn't see it as an accept song. But I figured, let me send Wolf the lyrics anyway and see what he thinks. He's either going to love it or he's going to hate it. And he loved it. And he, he, I had envisioned it totally differently, like, like really, like drop D, slow drudge, zombie, you know. And he came back with that, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's I love this. This is great." I, I, I'm telling you, like when I heard that heavy. song, that it's just not what I'm used to from Accept, but it's like it blew me away. Like yeah. that's. That's what I like about this new album. You kind of did it. You went a little different direction, but it does the same thing. It's heavy, it, man. Yeah, there's even a ballad on here. What is it? The yeah. best is yet to come, right? Yes, there is. Yeah. I, de definitely a different vocal style for you. Yeah. I, I, love it. Actually, I, love I actually got to sing one. <laughs> I got to scream. Yeah. They threw you a bone. Hey, <laughs> Give a break. Hey, it's nice to be able to sing once in a while. Yes, definitely. Anyway, I got to I got to ask you another baseball question before we end the show tonight. I want to know your honest opinion. Jay and I just did a show about it. Like, obviously, we're diehard Mets fans. We love the pitching, but I need to know what do you what do you think about the the way the game is being played now with the with the with the excessive um, attention to pitch counts? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, for me, like not letting Degrom finish a game after eighty pitches. That, that it just doesn't make sense. I mean, come it's on, awful. it's awful. It's awful. It's just like it, it, I, I would have left Strowman in the other night. Let the guy. I was just going to get to that seven inning game. Come on, I was just going to get to it. That's why I was bringing up the, the Degrom game too. Base? Come on, give me a break. Because he ran the bases. You yeah. let him hit in the bottom of the sixth in a seventh inning game with eighty five pitches. You're supposed then to after you don't hit for him, you take him out of the game because he ran the bases. That's what logic is that? It, no, there is no logic. <laughs> There's no logic to it. I don't like it, man. I, don't yeah, I like just it. wanted to know if you felt the way I felt because, I mean, it makes me not like Rojas. I, but here's the thing. Yeah, also, I, don't, I think he's taking his orders from a higher source. I agree, know? and that's where I was going to go with that. It, it leads me to the bigger point, which was the point of our show. This is like a plague that has taken over Major League Baseball. Yep. If you you take of every team's fan base, I can guarantee you if you go to that city on any given night, those fans are saying, God damn it, why did he pull him out? And yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. It's the same conversation in every city, but it's literally the definition of insanity. If you do the same thing every day and expect, and a, different expect result, a different outcome, that's insanity. And it, yeah. it's like every day you see these teams that have starters rolling seven, eight innings, 85, 95 pitches with like a three nothing lead. And you look in the box score, they lose 5 3. And well, the bullpen gives up five runs in an inning yeah. in the third. And, and the other thing that drives me nuts with them. Is Familia and Diaz? You know they'll put them in. They're obviously n don't have it, but they'll leave them in. I mean, oh, you got to oh, you got to oh. leave them in for three pitches now, uh, for three batters. Well, with the new Thank rules, God they pulled Familia outlet yesterday because you know he didn't have it. He didn't have it. Yep. But how many times have they done this with those two? They'll just and, let and, them and guess what? They'll loop. They would have blow the five the five run lead. You know, absolutely. And I made a point with Jay the other week too. 
you could have seven Mariano Rivera's in your bullpen. You could have Mariano Rivera and six clones of Mariano Rivera. <laughs> if you're making five pitching changes every night, you're increasing the odds that one of those guys is going to have an off night that night. Yes, so sir. why not go with the guy that just gave you seven innings, hardly throwing any pitches, and clearly has it that night? Yes. Why take this guy out and then make four pitching changes knowing that any one of those four might not have it? Yeah. And it's you're absurd. just eating up your bullpen for nothing. It's awful. It's awful. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> the other thing that drives me nuts was is the whole uh, controversy about the DH. You know, uh, I think I've, I've. It's National League. Pitchers hit, and they hit well. Look at Degrom. He hits well. I agree. I, I, I'm an old school. Come on. I'm an old school guy. I've. Oh, what, what's that, Jay? What's that? Well, I said I'll go one step further. This rule of you know runner on second. You know, oh, with, I, I don't like that either. Oh, I mean, everything about the game is just basically, you know, ruining baseball, in yep. my opinion. It's awful. Well, no, hey, quick, more curious, I'm curious, if, uh, who's your football team? I know you're a huge Mets fan. Do you like football? Uh, yeah, I'm actually a Giants fan. Okay. Makes no sense at all, right? <laughs> Here's where you're going to get mad at me. Here's where you're going to well, get like, mad at me, Mark. I mean, I'll watch the Jets, too. But – uh I'm yeah, now you're going to get mad at Aaron. Right, go ahead. <laughs> See, I'm a Dolphins fan. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. But look, yeah, at least you're not look, a Cowboys fan. So. Look, here's the great thing about it. If I do Mets or Dolphins, the colors still go. All right. Well, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It works. Let that go for you. <laughs> well, obviously, obviously, I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm your rival. Yeah. Right now, either, so. We're kind of both in the uh, same boat on that. Uh, well, that we can both hate the Cowboys together. So that's true. I agree that we we have a mutual hate for that. <laughs> and I, I hate the it. Jets, so I don't know if you do too, Mark. <laughs> I don't hate the Jets. Okay. I uh, I feel badly for the Jets. <laughs> you know what? I, this is going to sound crazy. I I'm a Dolphins fan. I can't hate them either. They've stunk forever. Like what's the yeah, hate? I know. <laughs> it's like I know. You know, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Easy Real to get quick, tickets for their back game, to the though. DH. Real quick, getting back to the DH. Yeah. I, I, what I was saying is I'm a huge old school guy. I'm a nationally guy like you. I hate the DH, but I'm going to be honest with you. Just because of the, of our roster, I almost for the first time ever was be like, all right, fine. I'll take it. Just because I know that it would make sure that we don't trade Dom Smith. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so selfishly for that reason, but beyond that, no, I'm not a DH guy. Well, he's been getting a lot of play time. Uh, yeah. Thank this, God. And, the crazy uh, part is he should be at first. Alonzo's the DH if we had one. <laughs> yeah. Dom Smith's a great defensive player. He is. He really is. But, he is. But Pete's, Pete's been holding his own to first base. He he's playing well. He has. He has. I think. You I, know, I'm I think he's, putting, he's, putting, he's doing the work. He's putting a lot of work in to become a. A, a real first baseman, you know. Yes, he he definitely, and he's a, he's a great kid and a real hard worker. Yeah, and he's a, he's an inspiration to the whole team, I think. So, I agree. I I love Pete. I'm not dogging on Pete. Believe me. No, last year was, last year was a, had to be hard for anyone. I agree. So, well, know. Jay's going to blow your mind. He actually picked the Phillies to win the division. <laughs> ah, let's see, <laughs> who's in first place now? Oh, rim shot. <laughs> of course, we have, we're a few games behind everybody too, thanks to yeah, Washington. Yeah, but you know, you know as much I was as so I'm so mad that weekend. Oh, oh awful! 
Yeah. You know as well as I do, 162 game season. It, it, it can go anywhere, bro. It can go but anywhere. I, no, in all fairness, I did pick the Phillies, but obviously Aaron, you know, agrees it, that wasn't a homer pick. That's just how I feel. But I, if there, it's going to be between the Phillies and Mets, I mean, and the Braves, I think so too. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Atlanta. I, I I don't forget about Atlanta, but I just don't. I don't think they have the pitching. They their their pitching is too young. They don't really have any like. Yeah, it's a young squad, man. They don't have any real horses either yeah. at this point, unless they trade for somebody, you know, at the trade deadline. But I I, I feel that it's going to definitely be the Phillies and the Mets. Obviously, uh, right now the Phillies' offense is in the shitter, so that's <laughs> why we haven't uh, done anything. In the yeah, in, Harper's in, been having a rough one, huh? Yeah, but you know what? The funny thing about Harper is every year he does this, and he, he ends up with a great year at the end of the year. So well, it's like Conforto, too. He's in a slump. He's one of those guys that's either, you know, he's either hot or he's not. You're right. Yeah, he's a streak. That's, that's the frustration with Conforto. You're always waiting for him to have that the streak. 315, 35, 135 RBI year. He's, he, he's got that kind of swing. Yep. I don't he understand. Does. You know, when he came up, he used to go the other way all the time. He got pole happy, but hopefully he gets out of it. Well, not, not, not to get off the subject, back to the music part, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing Except Live. So hopefully, oh my. <laughs> hopefully this COVID uh, thing gets over with it in a hurry and we can get back to seeing live music. And well, uh, I, uh, I heard some good news the other day that we might actually be going to Europe in June now. Uh, oh. There's a few festivals that have not been canceled. Uh, one of them in particular is in Finland, and uh, they really want us to come do it. And management is telling us you should go do it. Everybody's vaccinated. Go do it. Because, awesome. you know, even if it's a one-off, go do it. Show your face. Because people don't want to buy tickets if they think you're not coming. So we have a tour to sell out for next year now. So let's you know, I think it's, it's we need to go show our faces. Yeah, and knock it, on wood. I hope this is all over soon. We need to get these shows back. And we still got some shows in the States we were supposed to play, and uh, they've all been postponed again. That's all hanging on the M3 Festival. I was going to say, do you think 2022 is probably going to be the earliest that we have, you know? I don't know. I really don't know. Now, they, they postponed M3 last year from May to, to the fall and then wound up postponing it to May again, and now this May was canceled. So yeah. they're saying they want to do it in the fall again. If they do it in the fall, we'll probably we'll, we'll do it, and we'll do uh, – there's there's three other shows we're supposed to do, Penn's Peak. Uh, there's one in Long Island, and we're supposed to play it uh, in Chicago at the Aragon, St. Charles. Awesome. And if we're going to do that, we'll probably do more U.S. shows, but I don't know. You know, it's all up in the air right now. You guys ever do the cruise? I, I, I forget if you were involved on that. Uh, 70,000 tons. Okay. Uh, about, I think that was 2018. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was great. Really uh, you, know, you know what cruise I'd like to see you guys on? The Megadeth cruise. Yeah, I would do any of them. I, I would, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, we had, we had a really good time on that. Speaking of Megadeth, they're they're actually my favorite band. Uh, have you ever met any of the guys from Megadeth? Yeah, I know Dave. I mean, Dave and I played in uh, Metal Allegiance together. So okay, uh, you know, so I've 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 been on stage with Dave a few times. 
He's a very nice guy. And I and I I'm talking about Dave Elfson. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I know Dave Dave Mustaine as well. I mean TT Quick toured with Megadeth back in uh, eighty six. So Yeah, uh, I, I would imagine you guys you know, rubbed shoulders with Metallica in the real early days too. Being we on did. Force. Yep, we did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Johnny Z, they had him all crammed living in his house. <laughs> yeah, we, we played a couple of shows with them back then. Yeah, I would imagine. So very early on. I knew Mitt David Mustaine back in those days. Yeah. He was probably and a wild, and I've, wild And I've man. seen him recently at festivals, you know, and spoke to him. He's, you know, nice guy. Cool. I know Jay had a question. I'll ask it. If you had to pick one lead vocalist that would be your biggest influence, who who would that be? That's hard. That's hard. Probably Bon Scott. Okay. You, you know what I love about Bon uh, more than the voice? The lyrics. Attitude. If you're going to talk about a great – yeah, the attitude and the attitude lyrics. Attitude and then that's all. It's all about that. He, now I'm going to get David, into a controversy. David used to tell me he's, he thought he, he described Bon Scott as a simplistic genius. <laughs> I, that's the best way to describe him. He, you he, know? He's the master of the double entendre. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yes. Always Which leads me. His tongue-in-cheek lyrics, man. To all tongue-in-cheek. Leads me to a controversial subject. Do you think that Bon Scott wrote the lyrics on the Back in Black album? No. You do not? I don't. I don't think so. That's one of the biggest conspiracy theories in rock. Yeah, history. I know it is. There's also a conspiracy theory that he sang uh, a demo back in black. I've actually heard it, and it's it's not him. I have it's not a, heard that. I, a, I wouldn't believe that. It's anyway. a it's a good impersonation. Sure, I but haven't heard it. But it's not him. No, Angus just, Angus is, denies it all. I know Angus. They all deny it. But ACDC is also they're like the mafia. Like anything, like in the AC oh, yeah. family is top secret. You know, lock, under lock and key. Look out! You know? Absolutely. But I, the reason I do sometimes I'm just, I'm just glad Brian's back and they're not didn't do a record with Axl Rose. God I'm, help me. I'm not begging on Brian. I, before I go any further with this, I think Brian's a legend. I, I might as well say this: my favorite bands in the world of all time are, are Guns N' Roses and ACDC and Van Halen. That's my awesome threesome, my holy trinity. So I'm an ACDC guy, so I should have prefaced that. I'm not begging on – I'm not picking one over the other. I love the Bond era. I love the Brian era. But it's just been – I recently read a book, and it's it's definitely something that is always floating out there in, in the internet and wherever you are that Bond wrote those lyrics. And I just wonder sometimes because if you listen to the lyrics on Back in Black, it really is like in the total writing style of Bond. And I don't think ACDC ever – had the style of lyrics subsequent to that album, like when you go to from from for those about to from those about to rock for those about to rock moving forward, the lyrics I don't think ever match the style of the Back in Black lyrics. Well, you could be right. Yeah, it's just a thought. I mean, yeah, go, well, go look on that. Like really, never say never. But, you know, uh, they deny it. So who the hell knows? But you know, they were very close to going into the studio at that point too. That's so, that's the that's the crazy part that also yeah. lends lends credence to the theory. Bond died, and within a few months, they were in had Brian in there, and they were recording Back in Black. Yeah, you know, and then you have lyrics like whiskey, gin, and brandy with the glass on pretty handy, trying to walk a straight line. I'm tired of watching G wine. That's got Bond all over it. Yeah, 
that's oh, that's what I was talking about. Never know, bro. ACDC shirt. So I had to represent. Yes. I tried to I tried to get an accept shirt, but I'm gonna have to. <laughs> he, well, he he didn't get it. He wasn't able to get it fast enough. Oh. Yeah, I, you know, it, I I should have had a premonition that we were gonna have you on and got it earlier, but I, <laughs> I was gonna anyway, wear a shirt underneath this tonight, but I didn't. I went for What's the other. I was gonna wear an accept shirt underneath this. But I just had to double up on the match. So. Okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> hey, he really came to he, he came to a battle with a gunfight. <laughs> hey, he came to a knife fight with a with a cannon. <laughs> yeah, not carrying his bat. So, <laughs> so I did have I did have one more question myself. Uh, so I'm curious. Did you foresee yourself at, when you were young? When you were a young kid. Did you foresee yourself as being a rock star? Yes. And if so, like what age? I'm gonna in grammar school. Great uh, question. My my first real band, I'm gonna say, where we actually went out and had gigs. I think I was in fifth grade. So that's, that's, awesome. that's uh, amazing. I was just curious because I played I played guitar then, and uh, I mean I've. I've played basically everything. I've been everything in a band. I've been the keyboard player, the drummer, the bass player, the guitar player. But no matter what, I was always the singer. Because when you sing better than everybody else, you get both jobs. So it was nice to put all that stuff down and be able to concentrate on singing. Believe it or not, but I yeah, used to be the dude, singer I was a stone beetle nut when I was a kid. I mean, awesome. the Beatles came out. I was in, uh, you know, second grade. So third grade. And I was like, lost my mind. I used to I, sing in my bands for the same reason. Yeah, <laughs> I was the only one that could sing. Yep. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, you had mentioned earlier in the show that, you know, you kind of modeled yourself after uh, Robert Plant because I definitely see some of that in, in that TT Quick album. Like, uh, Yeah, I always loved Led Zeppelin. I mean, there's a lot of 70s rock. I mean that I really loved Deep Purple and, you know, all, oh, so many great bands, man. Montrose, God, American band, you know, come on. You have that vocal range, like, you know, it's a wide range. You have the raspy type voice, but you, you were able to get really high on, on, on especially on that album. Like, so I, I definitely, it's cool that you said that because I, I could see it you know, the Robert Plant influence. Yep. I, uh, I really was a big Zeppelin freak back yeah. then, too, you know, so. Spe speaking of playing in bands when you were young, I think that's the saddest thing about um, the world we're living in now. Oh, yeah. You know, kids don't play music. You no, know, they, you know, they, they play to this. Yeah, it's like I, I I always tell my son like when we were in junior high. I mean, the, one of the biggest things was that like somebody had drums, somebody had a guitar, somebody had a PA system, somebody. Had, yeah. Everybody had a group of friends, and they were jamming in somebody's garage. And you'd go out and you and you honed your chops yeah. by doing that every day. You're playing off of someone else. That's how you do it. Yeah, but kids aren't audience. even into music. You learn now. what works and what doesn't work. No, yeah. everybody wants to win a freaking contest. Yeah, and, and, and kids just so, aren't into ooh, music anymore. Yeah, 
Like, like when we were growing up, like I don't know if you're like me, Mark, but like when I think back on my youth, like every memory that I have is associated with a song or a yep. style of music. When I think oh, yeah. back on my life, Definitely. I don't think today's generation is that anymore. I, it's like they don't buy albums. They down they they don't even download singles now because now it's just no. streamed. Yep. Or YouTube. Oh, I know all about it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 sad. It's a sad state. You know, I, I, I don't know how we sad. can change it. But. I, I don't either. Well, someday the power will go out, and then, you know. <laughs> yeah, and they, they don't know what to do with themselves. Good. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Luckily for me, I'm a union electrician too. So. Okay, there you go. So there you get <laughs> extra work. <laughs> anyway, Mark, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We're just about out of time. All right, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Um, yeah, and we'd love to have you back if you're ever willing to come back on. So. Uh, anytime, bro. I'll tell you what, if the Mets make the playoffs, I'm holding you to Oh, that. we're doing it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Let's go, Mets. I got to get to a game. Got to get tickets. Can't even get tickets. I know. Hopefully soon, man. It's horrible. I, want, I definitely want to go to the 9-11 game. Definitely. Definitely. But uh, Mike's going to be there. They're playing the Yankees. It's going to be good. That's going to be That's going to be a tearjerker. Definitely. Hey, hit me up. I'll, I'll join you. <laughs> hey, let's get us all together, man. I know lots Definitely. of Mets fans. Definitely, man. That are rockers. You know who you should get on your show is uh, JD from Black Label Society. He's another huge Mets fan. Definitely. Definitely. Another Jersey boy. Yep. Yeah. Zach, Zach's a Jersey boy. Jackson. Yes, he is. Yeah. Dude, I've known Zach Jeffrey since he was 18. Yeah. That, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zach's band, Zyrus, used to open for TT Quick at uh, Stone Pony every Tuesday. Awesome. And then oh. uh, he went. We I remember when he went for the audition. That's great, man. We knew he was going to get it. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. But thanks, thanks for coming on, Mark. We'll we'll have you again soon, man. Let's go, fucking Mets. Let's fucking go, Mets. <laughs> LFPM, bitches. Rock ah. on, everybody. All right, guys. Take it I'll easy. See you all soon. And that's our show. Tune in next time for more sports and metal. With Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage. Woo, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at sportsandmetal0423 at yahoo.com or on Twitter at sportsandmetal.